listening to Untold Florida, a podcast that looks to explore the neighborhoods of North Central Florida that you live in and to tell the issues in your community that you often wonder about. Maybe it's something you've seen driving around town, a curiosity your neighbor mentioned once, an uncovered or undercovered story never told by the local media. These are those stories. I'm Taylor Levesque. On this episode of Untold Florida, the lost personality of a college town. We hear from Ethan Budowski, who has a story of long-standing businesses that no longer exist. And later on in the program, Sophia Mingoti explores the impacts of neo-segregation and new apartment developments in Gainesville. But first, Gainesville's population has exploded to over 130,000, and its economy evolved from primarily agriculture to one based on the University of Florida. This is the story of how Gainesville's businesses are changing in the fight to keep the town's spirit alive. University of Florida students head to Hurricanes Burgers, Tacos, and Wings after a long night out to grab a Midnight Madness combo. This meal, consisting of a $5 burger drink and fries, was a late-night staple for students in Gainesville. Now it's a vacant storefront, a memory of what once was for students. Worse than that for many Gainesville residents, it's a sore reminder of a local institution lost even before hurricanes took its place. Burrito Brothers, a Tex-Mex restaurant that was a fixture across the street from campus for 41 years, closed in 2017 due to the construction of The Standard, an apartment building across the street. The owner of Burrito Brothers, Randy Akerson, said the construction cut the flow of traffic, prevented easy access to the restaurant, and ran Burrito Brothers out of business. Their iconic shirts are still worn around Gainesville and serve as a reminder of how much the restaurant meant to the city. Akerson reflects on what Gainesville meant to his business and how it keeps Burrito Brothers' legacy alive today. Oh, everything. I was iconic in a way, I guess, after a while. And the loyalty of people who went to school here in the years I was in business uh, is largely undimmed. It is heartwarming in the extreme to know that people still think as highly of me as they clearly do. Despite its resilient spirit, Gainesville is rapidly changing. Chain restaurants line Archer Road, massive apartment complexes are springing up all over town, and large national brands such as Whole Foods are opening their doors to Gainesville. Some of these changes are directly affecting longtime Gainesville institutions that have become part of the school's identity with alumni. Just recently, The Swamp, a restaurant named after the University of Florida football stadium that lies two blocks away, was forced to close after 25 years of business. Though they intend to reopen, the construction of a new apartment building on the piece of land will force The Swamp to completely change its identity. Once a hotspot for game days, brunches, and many other celebrations, all that's left of The Swamp now is this all-too-familiar sound. The Swamp's owner, Ryan Perdesky, says it's a massive loss because of what Swamp and Gainesville meant to each other. Well, I think that, you know, there, there was a, a synergy between Swamp and Gainesville. So as Gainesville went and as UF went, you know, so did the Swamp. The, the better the town was doing and the better the university sports teams and university as a whole was doing, you know, the healthier Swamp was. The Swamp recently announced reopening plans, but it has lost its prime location in the heart of the city, an area called Midtown, and with it goes its identity as the center of game day activity in Gainesville. As Midtown becomes populated by apartment buildings, the exodus to the outskirts of town begins for a lot of Gainesville staples. 
Another long-term Gainesville resident and now city commissioner, Adrian Hayes Santos, moved to Gainesville when he was five years old. He believes these small restaurants will remain afloat if people continuously support them. I think there's, there's always kind of a, a push for for good local places that, that are opening up. Um, it is that the places closed. I think one of the big things is people need to, to go to the places that they, they enjoy. Um, if they don't partake them, if they go out to celebration points and decide to go out there or a public plaza to go get their food, those places won't, won't survive without their business. College towns often go through changes. New generations of students bring new identities to towns. Young students become interested in new activities, new restaurants, and new lifestyles. Gainesville is in the midst of one of those now, and many iconic local favorites have been sacrificed as a result. Akerson discusses whether Gainesville's spirit remains despite all the changes. No, not at all. There was a time where you could drive into Gainesville and, like, driving into Charlottesville, Virginia, or Athens, Georgia, or Oxford, Mississippi, you would know where you were. That's no longer true. You drive around town, you'll see that in quest of, of removing everything that isn't new and ultra-modern, the university has, has essentially wiped out local businesses. Prodesky shares a different outlook on the subject. No, I, I don't think the spirit has ever left. I think the spirit of of Gator Nation and, and of the people of Gainesville. It's a unique town. You know, we, we see a turnover in faculty or students or people moving in and out of town, but, you know, eventually they realize what it means to live in a special city like this. And uh, there, there's too many special people in the city for the spirit to die. Vice President of Economic Development at the Gainesville Chamber of Commerce, Stacy Bertrand, says that despite the changes, Gainesville still recognizes who it is. But in reality, you know, Gainesville has been going through a transition and becoming a, a new Gainesville, but still keeping true to, you know, to, to the fact that we are a college town and that we are a hub for medicine and that we are a hub for retail. Gainesville sits at a crossroads in shaping the identity of the town for the future. The prospect of corporate money pouring into the city remains tempting, but it won't come without resistance. Bertrand sees this as a mutually beneficial opportunity for everybody involved. It's a win-win for some of the developers, it's a win for the restaurant owners, and it's a win for the city because we are, you know, we're transitioning and we're, we're changing into, you know, what the new Greater Gainesville uh, will look like and what it will be. Those who love Gainesville will try to preserve the identity it's created while accepting the transition it's going through, but it may be a losing battle. One thing remains certain. As locals lose the places they love, they try and hold on to a fleeting spirit that may be disappearing. That was Ethan Budowski with the stories of the owners of two staple restaurants in the area, Burrito Brothers and The Swamp. Next on the program, Sophia Mangoti uncovers the different perspectives from Gainesville residents who debate on the causes of this changing city. It's Saturday after a home football game. Fans of Gainesville sprawl out after the last whistle blows to secure a spot at some of the restaurants in town. Hey, how are you doing today? Can I help you with anything? The Swamp, a cultural touchstone on the corner of West University Avenue, would usually be packed to the brim with customers. But for Jake Hitt, a 2020 University of Florida graduate, 
All that's left is a distant memory. I've always said to people, like, it could be a very po good possibility that in, like, 10 years, Gainesville has, like, nothing that we remember or none of the places that we enjoyed will be around. The swamp announced its closing last summer, and the land was sold to a development group with plans to build a high-rise apartment complex in its place. Um, for me, it also, I just worry about all the luxury housing going up, where are, you know, the, the only people who are going to be there are the people who are going to it. For every swamp that closes, people remember places like Leonardo's 706, Purple Porpoise, Burrito Brothers, Larry's Giant Subs, and Skeeter Biscuits that closed before them. Third generation Gainesville resident Michelle Shelton vividly remembers going to Skeeter's in the 80s with her friends. We would go to Skeeter's because they were literally open at 3 a.m., and believe it or not, the lines were long, and these they were famous because they had these huge biscuits, like bigger than your head. But after Skeeter's demise in 1995, Shelton can only tell her two daughters, who attend the university now, about the buttermilk biscuits they once served. For a college town like Gainesville, it may not seem abnormal for these changes to occur. But historian Paul Ortiz brings a new perspective, saying neo-segregation is what's causing these changes. He defines neo-segregation as the voluntary racial segregation of students into racially exclusive housing and common spaces. Evolution is something that happens in nature. Um, a city is developed, you know, we have, you know, that's why universities have master's degrees in public planning, you know, and you know, you have developers, you have real estate interests, you have city interests. Um, what's happening in Gainesville is not kind of accidental. He says this concept of strategic city planning isn't specific to Gainesville either. Gainesville is no different than Ann Arbor. No, it's no different than Berkeley. Um, it's no different than, than College Station. Um, you know, it's that. Developers and realtors come to a, a town like Gainesville to make money off of students. It's just, you know, the way it is. Ortiz has also noticed the corridor between 34th Street and Southwest 13th Street becoming more monocultural, meaning a single homogenous culture that de-emphasizes diversity. And one of, the, one of the facets of systemic racism is residential segregation. Because if you can segregate a community residentially, that will in turn profoundly impact the educational system. And when you start talking about impacting the educational system from K through six, from, from the very outset, you're talking about determining a person's life chances. He believes it is culturally stifling, but people just aren't aware of it. Americans are notorious for using terms like uh, evolution to cover for uh, what I would prefer to call neo-segregation. I mean, let's call it what it is. Gentrification, it's not like the people moving in and taking over an area are members of the gentry, right? I mean, that's ridiculous. I would prefer to call it neo-segregation. Ortiz says this affects restaurants as they are forced to specifically cater to consumers who drink. You can't, you just cannot afford to pay the rents here unless you have a liquor license, unless you sell booze. And so that's an unfortunate reality, you know, anywhere near UF now. He says Gainesville has become more monocultural since the 1990s. There are also people like lifestyle blogger and Yelp elite Kayla Lewinsky, who moved to Gainesville two years ago. 
that don't know the town as well and are still getting in tune with the food sphere. I like that it is sort of a big city feel, but with a small town part. Lewinsky says she actually prefers going to small restaurants because of her food allergies. I actually just found out a few weeks ago that I have gluten intolerance. I can't eat gluten. And I have found it easier to go to local restaurants than to go to a chain because they know what's in the food. She believes the first reason small restaurants are disappearing is because of their inability to keep up in a digital world. Something that smaller restaurants are starting to realize is that they need to increase their digital presence. And especially people eat with, you know, people eat with their phones now. It's not eating with your eyes, it's eating with your cameras. She says franchise-based eateries on Archer Road have the resources to promote themselves. So smaller businesses need to adapt. If the food is good, people will come, but they need to figure out how in this changing digital world that we live in, how can we promote ourselves? How can we draw people into our business without focusing too much on that, without losing focus from, from the food and the message we're trying to show to people. But the responsibility shouldn't solely be placed on the small businesses. People need to understand that just because a restaurant doesn't have an Instagram page or doesn't have, you know, a really cool website with an interactive whatever, um, that doesn't mean the food's not good. Food's probably better. She also believes small restaurants are closing because people don't support them as much as they should, especially the student populace. There are just a lot of great places down there that I, I don't think they're hidden gems. They're not hidden. They're right there on, on the road. It's just I don't think that they're given the recognition in this town that they deserve. The one small town on the North Florida frontier has undeniably changed, but the people in Gainesville debate on whether student housing, neo-segregation, and inability to adapt to a digital world, or just the regular churn of a college town are at fault for the disappearance of staple restaurants. Thank you to Ethan Budowski and Sophia Mangodi for their help on this episode of Untold Florida. Also, thank you to Sophia Mangodi for her production assistance. You can hear these stories and more on our website, wuft.org. And if you have an Untold Florida story you'd like us to look into, we'd like to hear from you. Go to wuft.org slash news slash Untold Florida if you'd like to learn more. This podcast is a production of WUFT News and the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. I'm Taylor Levesque, and this is Untold Florida. Thank you for listening. <music>